the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. The last time that the US Federal Reserve raised interest rates was in 2018. That was until last night, or rather Wednesday night. And the last time that the Bank of England raised interest rates was 2018 as well, and that happened on Thursday. With me now, investment strategist at 91 in London, Russell Silverstone, to talk about this. It was widely expected that both of these central banks, Russell, would raise rates. The market seems to have taken it in its stride because it was so well flagged, I think. Yeah, I think that's right, Lindsay. I mean, the market was unanimous in expecting the Fed to raise rates. They've done a good job in teeing it up. And certainly, you know, equity markets rallied quite strongly afterwards. Bond markets actually rallied and lower yields uh, afterwards as well. And, you know, as ever with these things, there's always a sort of ex-post rationalisation that the best bet is... Uh, we've got we've got clarity over exactly what the Fed's intentions are. Uh, they are trying to achieve a soft economic soft landing, and you know, if they achieve that, that's that's good for markets. Yes, it certainly is. What did the Fed say after the decision to raise by twenty five basis points or a quarter of a percent? What was the rhetoric? Oh, it was very hawkish in the jargon. Really, you know, they've got to get inflation down. Is really the message from the Fed. I mean, he couldn't be he really couldn't be clearer about this. You know, we have to restore price stability. And hence, one that interest rate hike, but also guidance that they'll 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 front load um, further hikes in the coming months, such that policy will get to a a modestly tight level. And by that, we mean, you know, levels above the sort of the neutral level of interest rates, the not too hot, not too cold level, um, as early as next year. Um, so they are they are front loading this in an effort to get inflation back down again. Do you think that they might have raised by 50 basis points if there hadn't have been uh, the the conflict that we're seeing between Russia and Ukraine? Do you think that they held back because of that, because they didn't want to cause another shock to the markets? And when I say the markets, I mean equity markets and certain other asset classes. Yes, I, th- I think so. It wasn't... I, the Fed doesn't like upsetting the, 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 the market. If, if, if they can sort of adjust policy without the sort of dollar being very volatile or stocks being very volatile. I think that's always their their, their chosen outcome. There was a dissenter in favour of, of a 50 basis point move and a couple of the governors before this meeting expressed a preference for it. But what I would say is I'm not so much sure it's about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, this certainly adds to uncertainty. I think it's more they want to be sort of going fairly steadily. But what they also said very clearly was, you know, they are absolutely not reserving the rights to be more aggressive further down the line. So it, it was a bit of balancing acts, I think. But certainly that's on the table uh, in coming meetings. Okay, given what you've heard, given what they said last night, and given where the, for example, the 10-year US bond yield is, which is close to 2.20%, what do you at 91 expect the path to be going forward? More sort of increments of 25 basis points? And if so, up to what sort of level? Sure. So I think it is very much data dependent. I know that sounds a bit of a cop-out, but it's not because I think what the Fed are, are most concerned about is is inflation is moving away from sort of uh, areas such as sort of oil and gas and commodities to more general sort of everyday products, so i.e. the sort of, the, you know, the underlying inflation is, is, is creeping up. And if that happens, then policy becomes more aggressive. I mean, we, we have long held the view that the market's far too sanguine about interest rates. Yes. Um, it sort of replanned that sort of 2018-2019 playbook, which was the Federal Reserve takes policy up to sort of um, 2.5-3%, and that causes the economy to slow down and they have to cut again. We, we don't see that at all. So at the moment, we're looking for policy to get up towards, say, 
modestly tight level, so very similar to the Fed, and to stay there. And I, I think our sort of cyclical outlook is actually relatively upbeat as well. Uh, you know, this isn't 2018. The, the US economy in particular is, is in a very different place to, 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 to where it was back then. Just tell me about that, because your memory is much better than mine. Why did they raise rates in 2018? And what was the market reaction, the stock market reaction, for example? Yeah, so so I mean that was just a long normalisation from the global financial crisis. So they essentially went from zero to 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 close to three percent, but they were also reducing their balance sheet, which is something we haven't touched on. Mm. And they shrank their balance sheet by I think it's about a trillion and a half. I'd, I'd have to check, but they shrank their balance sheet quite aggressively, and actually that that caused all sorts of problems in the in the, in the money market plummet. And so, you know, one of the reasons the market is sort of replaying that playbook is that the Fed are also about to start shrinking their balance sheet and they are assuming we're going to have problems again. But I think we've got this very strong view that the Fed's not going to make the same mistake it made back then, which was probably tighten rates too much, um, probably reduce their balance sheet too much without tools that are able to offset that. Um, so, so you know, there's plenty of liquidity in the system at the moment. Um, on one estimate, there's around about $1.7 trillion of excess liquidity sitting in the US uh, money markets. So they can withdraw that, we think, without too many um, ramifications on money markets specifically, uh, and also able to sort of get rates up and, um, you know, more aggressively than the market's thinking. So we would be quite cautious on, on, on the outlook for, for government bonds at this level. So what did they say last night about the balance sheet shrinking? In other words, quantitative tightening, if you will. Yeah, it was a little bit vague because they're literally having the discussions. But what they did say is it will be start shrinking at a coming meeting. Now that that you know for the Federal Reserve to actually put that in a statement, it, you know, as as a statement of intent means it's a done deal. So it could come as soon as May. What we do know is that the rate at which they shrink their balance sheet is going to be faster, but the technique will be the same. So in practice, they have this enormous, I think it's nine trillion dollar balance sheet. You know, every month uh, they have bonds. Mature in what they do in practice is they put you know they, they, they let those maturities get capped off at a certain level and, and it will start around about a hundred billion dollars so every month their balance sheet will shrink about a hundred billion dollars which which is more aggressive than the maximum of 70 billion dollars a month last time out and it will be viewed as a passive process it will take two, two or three years to get back to a level similar to we had sort of pre-covid actually so you know the hope is that, that you know that that just ticks away in the background without any of the sort of real problems we had in the plumbing that we saw back in that 2018-2019 period. What about the UK? Is the UK, is the Bank of England rather, let's put it that way, is the Bank of England a mirror image of the US Federal Reserves? In other words, everything you've just said about the United States and the US Federal Reserve, can that be applied to the Bank of England or are there different sets of circumstances? Yeah, I think certainly it's very similar in that the sort of shocks that the US are seeing are amplified and repeated uh, here in the UK for sure. So, you know, energy prices are very high, inflation is very high. But we've got different problems here. You know, one, because of different energy policies, um, whereas the US is, is largely energy independent, the, the UK relies uh, heavily on imports. And we have sort of regulated energy prices such that the cost to households in the UK is going to be punitive. There's going to be a proper squeeze in real incomes in the UK, uh, along with tax rises as well. Uh, this year, though that may change next week. So I think, you know, yes, the drivers are the same, but the Bank of England, are we sense 
just literally today beginning to turn a little bit more cautious. Um, so they've they've got they've got a I guess in some I would say they've got a far more difficult trade off than the US has. So whereas the US can look at a you know a very tight labour market, you know we can tick that box in the UK, uh, plenty of savings. Again, we can tick that box. The squeeze on uh, real living standards is nowhere near as bad in the US as it is in the UK. So the, ba- the Bank of England have got a more difficult uh, decision. So they raise rates again today. Uh, they've also been shrinking their balance sheet, actually, more aggressively than the Federal Reserve as well. And, and we just sense the language on the, from the bank is just turned there a little bit more cautious. Uh, they've already got rates up to 0.75. Doesn't sound like very much, but that's actually mm. the post global financial crisis high. Uh, and going forward, I think the bank are going to be a little bit more cautious. And certainly the amount of rate hikes priced in by the market, which is around about another 150 basis points, looks a little bit too aggressive to us. You hinted earlier on that you thought that the markets were being relatively sanguine about interest rates going up. Do you think that people will be sitting down this weekend and saying, wait a second, the price of money is going up and it's going to go up even more. We ought to adjust our portfolios accordingly. Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, you know, optically, uh, you know, economies look okay, earnings are sort of holding up well. And it's a bit like the sort of boiling frog analogy, isn't it? You know, the water temperature is slowly being turned up. And if you look at sort of historic episodes of, of Federal Reserve tightening, sometimes the stock market goes up, sometimes the stock market goes down. Mm. And I, I think our view will be... Uh, you know, actually, the outlook, particularly in the US, is okay, actually. So it's very hard to say. It certainly shrunk it off last night, and I think that's a bit of a relief. And the other sort of observation that's been made is that the Federal Reserve's inflation forecasts are still so high that actually, when you adjust interest rates for inflation, i.e. real interest rates, they actually remain pretty low. And that, therefore, is also a reasonably supportive stance. And, of course, you know, if they manage to engineer the, the, the so-called economic soft landing, then, then that is also a real positive for uh, for risk assets as well. So so at the moment, the, I think the market is definitely taking the glass half full view. Russell, thanks very much for your insight. That's Russell Silverstone, investment strategist at 91 in London. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider.